you gotta press and hold. There we go. All right, well, good morning, church. How is everybody doing today? Oh, it is good to be here. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Pastor Austin. I am the youth pastor slash kids pastor slash the hermit that gets to hide back behind the sound booth during Sunday. So if you guys haven't seen me, uh, that's probably why I don't get uh, out of my uh, little hidey hole all that often, get to do a bunch of stuff around the church. But uh, it is good to be with you guys today. Um, one of the things that I really like to do, I like to, you know, be a bit more upbeat, a bit more energetic. Uh, so uh, things are going to be a little bit different. We're going to kind of structure things off of kind of how things or how things would go downstairs. Uh, if you guys brought your kids or uh, brought your family members along to uh, church here this morning, so uh, we're going to get things started by asking you a question: How many of you guys have had a moment where a big ginormous, monumental moment has happened in your life. And bam, all an, an and bam, your entire life has been changed. Maybe, maybe you were out behind the playground as a kid, you were hiding out, you were, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, your friend comes up behind you, all exasperated, with his hands outstretched, and he looks at you, with exasperated and a sly grin on his face, he says to you, I'll give you a dollar, and I double-dog dare you to eat what I have in my hand. So you look at him curiously, and as he cracks open his hand, a beam of light shines in. You reach in to his hand, and you pick up the object inside. It begins to wriggle squirm inside your fingers as you pull out the cricket that was once hiding in his hands, and as you reach it towards your mouth, your entire moment, a moment changes your life forever. Or guys, gentlemen, maybe you were walking down the school hall, and down at the end, you see that cute girl that you've always had a crush on. <gasps> you see her, and you start walking towards her, your heart begins to race, your hands are clammy and sweaty, and as you pass by each other, she gives you that grin that only girls can give, and in her sweet, soft voice, she says, hi. And with all the courage that you can muster, you look at her and say, hi. And bam! A moment changes you. See, uh, see, in, in a moment, things in our lives can change. I've got a, I got a friend here. Edward, why don't you come on up and give me a help out? We are going to give you a wonderful opportunity to make a decision. Now, how old are you, Edward? Seven. So here, I'll hand that to you. So Edward, you're seven, and you've already had plenty of opportunities in your life to make monumental changes, or make monumental decisions, right? I can't call. <laughs> <laughs> you've had to choose where to go to school. You've had to choose whether to put ketchup or barbecue sauce on your chicken nuggets. Uh, I, I did not choose You didn't get to choose to go to school? No, not ketchup and barbecue sauce. Want to speak into the microphone? Well. We've got an opportunity here for you, Edward. I have here in my hand a $20 bill. Here, I'm going to hand this to you. I want you to look over it. 
I want you to tell me, I want you to look at it real closely, you know, sniff it, look at it, make sure, you know, it's green, you see the number 20 written all over it, front and back, you see our 20th president, James Garfield, written, or a picture of James Garfield on the front, or on the back you see a picture of the Washington DC City Hall, which was built in 1820. Does this look real to you, Edward? Yeah. Yeah? You sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, this $20 bill, we're just going to set that there for now, could be yours if you are able to make a life-changing decision here. What? You know what this is, Edward? An egg. An egg. You want to hold that, or hold the microphone up to your mic? Yep, there you go. What is this, Edward? An egg. An egg? Are you sure it's an egg? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything abnormal about this egg? Yeah. What? <laughs> It's normal. It's what? It's a normal egg. Well, eggs are normally oval. But you were correct. There is something a little odd about this egg. You see, this egg is, you know, a little on the old side. I've had this egg in my uh, kitchen refrigerator since eight or since 2020 in July. So this is this is a little bit of an old egg. You can see that egg is a little a little on the, you know, overripe side. You can see up here we got a picture of a normal egg, you know, nice and yellow. Doesn't You're not eating. Well, I'm not expecting you to eat that. Cuz you see here I've got another egg for you. Hello. I've got another egg for you. I've got a I mean, I got a couple more in here. I can take that from you. <laughs> this is another one of those eggs that has been in my refrigerator for, since July of 2020. And all I need you to do, Edward, yeah, come on, stand right here. All I need you to do is allow me to take this egg and smash it on your forehead. And this $20 will be yours. Think you can do that, Edward? You think that's worth $20? You want to get the $20? You see, this is a moment that will change your life forever. And for someone your age, at the age of seven, $20 is life-changing, life-changing amounts of money. You sure? Here, what what if what if what if we make a little bit of a compromise? I've got I've got my rain jacket here. We can take this egg. I can put this rain jacket here on you so that way we don't get your clothes all dirty. This will be good. Well, that's the point, Edward. Yes, I want your head to get dirty. That's the point. I'm a little bit crazy, but that's that's where we have the fun. So, all right. All right. I promise you, your clothes will not get dirty. That, that's upside down. So here we go. Just so you know, at this point, I'll be grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be okay. All right. Are you ready, Edward? We're going to stand you right over here. I'm going to take the. All right. We're going to be okay. Are you ready, Edward? Yeah. All right. Here we go. In three, two, one. Oops. I dropped that. <laughs> Let me try that again. All right, one more time. One more time, Edward. Sorry about that. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Uh-oh. What happened? Edward? There's nothing. <laughs> Edward, all right. Well, you earned this $20 bill. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Give I, I am I am happy there was nothing in there as well. Let's give Edward a round of applause. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Edward. So. <laughs>
All right, see, all of us want to make a difference in this world. You want to be able to reach your friends. You want to be able to help others know, uh, know Jesus, but none of that happens unless we each have our own moment. And when that happens, a moment can change us. All it takes is for us to have an experience that impacts us to make us different. And so this is where our big idea comes in today. Uh, the big idea is basically uh, the key takeaway for our uh, message. Anytime, uh, anytime we have a lesson, we're going to have a big idea. And if you remember only one thing, we want you to remember this. A moment with God can change us. So I've had, I've had my own uh, moment-changing experiences. Uh, after high school, you can go ahead to the next slide. So after high school, I went to a program that's known as Heartland Master's Commission. It's kind of like college. It's kind of like ministry training. And you get to do, you know, full-time full -time student, you know, full-time uh, ministry training internship, you know, all at the same time. So it's a lot of fun, it's a lot exciting, and a lot of long hours. And on this particular day, I had gone off, or I was uh, at, ch at the church there pretty much the entire Wednesday. We get there around 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. We start off with devos. Uh, we do some uh, intro chapel, or we do some chapel, some uh, Bible or Bible reading. Uh, later on, we begin, uh, after lunch, we begin to just kind of plan out the service uh, for the youth that later that day, kind of get everything ready. And me being the tech guy, I also get to be the guy who shuts everything down at the end of the day. So I was there, I was there at the church for probably about 13 hours, got out around 9 o'clock. And so, um, <clears throat> so after, after I get done with chapel, uh, after we get done with youth group that night, uh, I heard the word of God speaking to me. You see, in a couple months from that day, I was going to be going on a missions trip to Moldova. And this was something that I had gone on missions trips before. I had gone to El, or I'd gone to El Salvador, I'd gone to Chicago. We got to do a lot of fun different stuff with that thing, but um, when we started preparing for Moldova, something different happened that, uh, that Wednesday night. Uh, so as I get in my car, I feel God calling me. It's not time to go home yet. So thinking, you know what, this is maybe not the best thing for me to do right now because it's been a long day. I'm probably just going crazy. I get in my car, start to pull out of the parking lot, and I get to the stop sign at the end of the road there for the church. And I look right, I look left, and I decide, you know what, God's calling me. So instead of taking the right turn and heading home, I decided to turn left. So I drive through the city of Cold Spring. Uh, as we go through, I uh, see up on the top of the hill a little a building called Grasshopper Chapel. Um, Grasshopper Chapel was a place that was built there a long time ago. It's got some beautiful uh, granite uh, stuff going inside of it. And it's been a moment that, or it's been a place that I had gone to before in order to see God. And so. I pull into the parking lot, I open the doors, and I head inside. I sit down inside, and I begin to pray. I begin thinking, asking God, what does he want to share with me? I begin to ask God, what, uh, what are his plans for Moldova? What does he expect of me uh, on this missions trip? But most importantly, 
I discern. I listen. I listen to the voice of God that is uh, just the still, small voice, the quiet whisper. I begin to hear him speaking to me. And sometimes you hear it. Uh, sometimes you think, you know, I've never heard the voice of God. Sometimes you think, you know what? This is a weird little thought that I've had in my head. And you know what? I think God is telling me. Some, might, some people might call it your conscience. And you feel like God is calling you to do something, telling you to do something, something that you wouldn't normally do in your life. Uh, something that uh, might be difficult for you to do, um, but something that is ultimately going to bring glory to God. And so while I'm sitting there, I begin to hear God tell me about a man that I would meet in Moldova. This man was going to be old. Uh, he wasn't going to be very mobile. And the thing about this guy is he was very unique because uh, this guy wasn't going to have any legs. He was going to be stuck in bed pretty much the entire time. And he wasn't going to be able to uh, talk. And so I begin to pray for this man. I begin to intercede for uh, this man that I have no idea whether or not he actually exists. I have no idea whether uh, he actually is, or whether I'm actually going to ever meet this man, or if God is ever going to do anything uh, with me in this man's life. And so I just begin to pray. I ask that God would have his will be done in my life, that I would be obedient, and that he would give me the wisdom uh, if and when this opportunity arises. And so we're going to fast forward a couple minutes, or a couple months, or, a little, or about a month, uh, to where we uh, hop on the airplane. It's, uh, Moldova is you know, a ways away. We jump through Germany, uh, and on the way to Moldova, Moldova is just a small country. It's the only a third world country in uh, in Europe on the western or on the eastern side, and it's right below Ukraine. Um, and we hop in, we get settled down in the church that we're going to be uh, spending our uh, spending our days in. Uh, we get settled down, set or settled in, and uh, we learn that we're going to be going to a small village in the morning uh, called Glingen, um, and that is where we're going to pause our story here for today. So. With that, um, we're also going to jump into our Bible verse. This, our Bible verse here today comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19. It says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life. All right, so we're going to jump into the Bible here. We're going to look at the book of 2 Samuel. So now, uh, Edward. Uh, would you be able to tell me, the book of 2 Samuel, is that in the Old Testament or the New Testament? It is in the Old. Well done, Edward. I appreciate that. So the book of Samuel ta or talks to us about uh, a man named David. Now, David was the king of Israel. And in this particular chapter, uh, we see David had done something bad. He had sinned against God. He had disobeyed God. He was, no longer, uh, he was no longer listening, and he had done something that God had specifically told him not to do. And so because of that, a plague was making its way across the land of Israel. It was ravaging its way through the people, and it was just about to hit Jerusalem when God stepped in and presented David with his moment. God spoke to a prophet named Gad, uh, told, uh, told Gad to go and meet with David, and that's where we're going to pick up our story in 
2 Samuel 24, verses 18. So on that day, the prophet Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. A threshing floor is where they would separate the edible parts of the wheat uh, from the rest of the plant. And so David went up as the Lord had commanded through the prophet Gad. When Aruna looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering. Here are the threshing sledges and the ox yokes for the wood. May your majesty Aruna, or your majesty, Aruna gives all of this to the king. Aruna also said to him, may the lord your God accept you. But the king too replied to Aruna, No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So, er, so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed, uh, and there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in uh, in behalf of the land, and the plague of Israel stopped. We got three points here that we want to take away from this Bible story. Point number one, your moment is now. See, David had a choice to make in that moment. He had a choice to do something to save his people. You have been presented with a moment in your life uh, to give like you have never given before so that others can be saved. Will you step into this moment or will you let it pass you by? Every year around this time, we have opportunity, or uh, we give uh, the youth of our state an opportunity to uh, give to a, um, a fund, given a fundraiser uh, for Speed the Light. Now, Speed the Light uh, collects money, uh, and they take that and give it to missionaries so that they are able to take that money and buy uh, vehicles, buy sound equipment, buy Bibles. Uh, build coffee houses, dig water wells, uh, provide food for people who are in need so they can speed the light uh, to the people who have uh, never heard. And so uh, today, if you guys uh, feel willing, if you guys feel called, uh, we'll also leave the wicker basket up here uh, so that way you guys can give to speed the light as well and help, uh, help uh, the youth in our uh, community, help the youth in our state to uh, help to help them to reach uh, that goal. In Deuteronomy 30, 15, and 16, uh, it says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. God then, was speaking to me about becoming a missionary. To you jump back with this one. Uh, then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. See, God is setting before us tonight a chance to bring life uh, where there is death and a chance uh, to walk in his blessing. The thing we have to answer is, are we going to walk in this moment or not? It's not by accident that you are here sitting uh, in this church here this morning. God has strategically placed you uh, in your community, in your job, in your town, in your neighborhood, uh, in this world, and at this time to make a difference. Point number two, there are no shortcuts. 
In your moments, uh, there are going to be chances for you to cut corners. David knew he had to do what he uh, knew or what it would cost, or, and he knew it would cost him. But Aruna presented him with a way out, uh, but not how God had necessarily wanted David to pursue it. God may have spoken to you about a crazy goal, and you have a feeling he wants you to, um, uh, to do something that you might not be comfortable in doing, uh, something that is going to cost you. I can guarantee that there will be an opportunity uh, for you to be able to, um, to step back, to give a little less, uh, to, or to uh, do something differently than the way that God has spoken to you about it. See, now there are, uh, you need to choose uh, no shortcuts. Uh, and point number three, giving starts with us. I love David's response in verse 24 when he says that he will not give a sacrifice that costs him nothing. Giving starts with us when we decide what we are willing to give, to sacrifice, to do what we can to accomplish what God has called us to do. David gave what he was supposed to, and God brought about change in people. Uh, your giving, uh, your dedication, your response to Jesus makes a difference. Giving something that costs, uh, that costs you often holds uh, even more meaning because we are saying no to ourselves and we are saying yes to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8 teaches us that uh, what we are supposed to do, uh, we are supposed to give cheerfully because God will always supply what we need. God provided for David and he will provide for you, especially as you give with a heart to reach the lost. See, you may, uh, or so, we're going to hark back to our Bible story, or our story, Moldova. Um, we left off when I had just arrived, and we were learning that we were heading off to uh, the village of Glingen. And in that village, uh, we were going to be helping to restore a building that the church had uh, purchased, um, and we were going to be helping them to paint, to clean it up, uh, so that way they could hold services later uh, that same week. And I was having a little bit of an issue. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy, I have, um, and I've always had issues with allergies. I had been taking some shots, but I wasn't anywhere close to near it. So when I went into the building, I had a really tough time just breathing, uh, breathing in all the dust, all the paint fumes. And so I was given the lucky opportunity to, instead of, you know, helping clean up, build, and stuff like that inside, I got to go out into the community. I got to go out into the village. Um, we would deliver things like bricks and building supplies to people. Uh, we would deliver food packages and care packages and invite them to come to the uh, services that we were going to be holding later that same uh, later uh, that week. And one of these places uh, stood out to me. Nothing special about it when I first walked in. Uh, we would drive past on the road, and there'd be an overgrown uh, wall of bushes. Um, and here with our uh, first picture, you can see, like, if you didn't know it was there, you'd probably pass on by. Uh, this is Kenan. He was another one of the guys who got to uh, go out with me. And you can see him carrying some bricks into, uh, through this low overhang, uh, through these bushes, and uh, into uh, where we would meet uh, this guy, uh, this member of the community. And I didn't know it at the time. Uh, the guy was sitting in his bed, um, covered up. Um, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but um, it would be a little, or I would, uh, as we were packing up and we were heading on to the next uh, house, 
the missionary, the translator, uh, mentioned to me that this guy, uh, he was cursed from birth. Uh, the people in the community uh, thought that um, while he was young, he had gone into a lake that was cursed, and uh, that because of that, um, his legs were, were no longer developing. He had lost all muscle mass. They weren't growing, and um, one of them even had to be amputated at one point. Um, and it took me a little bit to realize, but this was the, the man that God was talking to me about, uh, that we talked about earlier, uh, back at the Grasshopper Chapel in Cold Spring. See, God had spoken to me, and um, he had shown me a vision of this man. Now, but at this point, we had already moved on, and I was thinking, like, there's no way that this guy is going to uh, make it all the way to the church. I thought I had lost my chance. Uh, since the guy uh, didn't have any functioning legs, and he had, he had to uh, crawl on his hands and kind of drag his... Uh, what or drag his legs behind him, and he would have uh, some thick over uh, some thick boots like waders, uh, that, so that way uh, his knees and his legs wouldn't get uh, dug up too much by uh, the gravel roads. Um, and he would use uh, boots on his hands as he would just kind of drag himself along wherever he needed to go. And I was like, oh, man, this guy he he lived too far away. He lived uh, so far out uh, in the village that there's no chance that he's going to make it. So I forget about this guy for a couple days, and I think it's like, man, I can't believe that I missed my chance. Um, we, so we begin to make preparations for, the, uh, for uh, our service that was going to be happening later that day. Um, and as we arrived, I couldn't get this guy out of my head. Um, we would go around the community as, uh, and visit some more homes, and we never uh, once had another chance to see that guy. Um, when it finally came around time to, um, to ha have that service, we set up the or we set up the benches outside, uh, behind the building. Uh, tons of people uh, that we had invited were uh, making their way to the community. We had a playground across the way, uh, where the kids were would play around. They would um, we would make balloon animals, uh, do little skits, and just have a lot of fun with you guys. But. Uh, about five minutes or so before uh, service, or the service was supposed to start, I take a look down the road and I see, I see a man, not walking, but crawling, step by step by step. God had spoken to this man, and there was something in that moment when we met a couple days earlier, there was something in that moment that called out to him. That's... Um, these people are real. That these people have something that I need. And so I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to uh, step out in faith um, and go meet with God. And so uh, we can see here with our uh, final picture, uh, this is the man that I had the pleasure of meeting in Moldova that God had spoken to me about. And um, we got to, I got to share my testimony with him. I got to share my story. We got, to, uh, we got him plugged into the church, and it was something that was just absolutely amazing to see how God had taken my obedience a month earlier uh, in the city of Cold Spring and given me an opportunity to impact the life of another person halfway across the world. You see, uh, God speaks to all of us. 
And when we trust him and follow his spirit, that moment can change us. I want you to check out this story of where God speaks to this ordinary couple. Um, and in a moment of obedience to God, uh, it impacts not only them, it not only changes them, but it changes the lives of thousands of people on the other side of the world. God was speaking to me about becoming a missionary to Ukraine, and I, and I told God, I'm a computer programmer. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm just a normal, average kind of Joe, and, and I don't think I can do that. Then I realized that uh, it doesn't work to argue with God, so I said, okay, God, we'll do it. And we found out that it was much easier to say yes to God than it was to live out the yes to God. It was just a process of giving up each part of my life. And then it was like, okay, I'm ready. I believe God. You called me now. We actually had um, six or seven big, big, huge garage sales. One time we had a man that came, the very first one we had, we had all kinds of stuff in the garage. And he looked at me, he looked at me and he was a Christian. And he asked me, well, how many families are in with you on this garage sale? And I said, just one, just us. And he looked at me, he said, brother, you need to repent. And I said, I already have. That's why the stuff's out here. <laughs> we actually came to Ukraine in 2010 as missionary associates. And we lived in Kriboy Rogue then for almost two years, almost, because at the, the last two months of our, of our term, we actually lived in Crimea. And uh, while we were home itinerating, Russia took Crimea. And so it became impossible for us to go there. So then in 2014, in the summer, when we returned to Ukraine four years ago, we actually lived in Kiev for a year to kind of figure out, were there other large unreached people groups in Ukraine, like the Crimean Tatars? While I was finishing the project, God opened up the door for us to return to Kriboy Road. And we never ever dreamed or imagined that that would happen. And Ukraine is one of the most open countries of the former Soviet Union. And you just never know how long that door is open. But our purpose is, our main, our main goal, is to help them plant churches. Even though the country is very open, there's only about, we figure at best, two and a half percent of the population are evangelical Christians. So we have a lot of work. There's a lot of places that don't have churches. That, that, that's what we're trying to do, reach, reach the people. And that's what our heart is. We, we love the people of Ukraine. churches, all the people that have stood behind us and faithfully um, praying for us, we know that God answers those prayers because we see God doing things and we know it's not us, it's God. It sounds cliche, but for us it's a privilege to be your mission. So we started the, uh, this morning with a question, and I've got one more for you. What is God asking of you? What moments have God presented to you? Um, is God speaking to, your, or speaking to you uh, in this moment? Has God been trying to get you to do something uh, in your life uh, that um, you've been a little hesitant to step out, that you've been hesitant to uh, be obedient and step out in that moment? Um, we're going to take a short little moment to pray, but I just want you to think about that. Is God calling you to uh, give to a missionary? Uh, one of the big things that I remember about, uh, that I really like about uh, what Phil had to say was that um, st or stepping out uh, in faith 
or stepping out and choosing to be a missionary was the easy part. Uh, making all of the additional decisions along that was uh, the hard part. Uh, continually saying yes to God. And so that's what, or that's what I want to leave you with here today. I want to encourage you to remind yourself to uh, step out in faith. I want you to remember that uh, our big idea for today, a moment with God can change us. And not only can it change us, it can change the people around us. It can impact uh, the lives of those in ways that we may not understand here at the or here today. We may not understand uh, here next week. Uh, may, we may never uh, fully understand uh, what God's um, what God's calling uh, has in store for us. So, uh, if you guys would fold your hands, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. So, dear God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that uh, you've given us this opportunity to step out to. Uh, seek your face to um, listen to your voice, God. I pray that uh, we would take time uh, here today that uh, where we could listen to your voice, listen to your Holy Spirit. Uh, we would take a moment to just sit in silence and listen to what you have to say. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, uh, the ability to step out in faith where um, where we might be afraid to uh, in a normal circumstance. Maybe we need to, or maybe you're calling us to talk with uh, one of our neighbors, one of our coworkers, one of our classmates. God, whatever it is, I, w I uh, pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us the power and the ability uh, to be able to uh, step out in faith and take that moment um, of obedience uh, for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor?